What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. We are not here for that long. Do you want to spend your life hating yourself? At a certain point, you are grown and old enough to have to say, I'm taking responsibility for my own life and my own happiness, and I'm not going to let this shit bother me anymore. And you are really the only one who can say that. And that's where the self-love starts. That is where the confidence starts. That is where learning to trust yourself starts. And that is where you start realizing who you are living your life for. But you're awakening already, right? It's already happening. That's why you're here and why you're listening. Nothing is broken in your world. Nothing needs to be changed. Nothing needs to be different. And yet everything is constantly changing because it is the inevitable nature of that which is eternal. What I've come to realize in this endless searching for answers is that there really are not. If you spend your whole life trying to get your act together, then, then what do you have? You have an act. Right? Instead of a life. I am Vanessa Fontana and welcome back to Figuring Shit Out. Today's episode is going to be all about self-love, confidence, learning to trust yourself, and the pillar question really being, who are you living for? So a couple of things that I want to talk about today um, include your ego self or this identified self that holds us back from a lot. Pain in your life being a catalyst for growth and how to use those painful moments to be able to learn about yourself instead of really victimizing yourself. A question about why you want the things that you want. Um, and then, you know, learning how to control your reactions and choose how you live your life into freedom and liberation. And this whole confidence portion of the podcast, I'm going to make into its own section because I think there's a lot to be said about how to own your own energy and learning how to really love yourself. But I think it all starts with asking yourself the very important question of who are you living for? And I think that this segues nicely from the last episode, which was inner child healing and shadow work and really understanding why you might be the way that you are um, and what you're hiding from. So maybe once you have built the foundation of what you're hiding from, you can really answer the question, okay, so who are you living for? And that's really what this episode is going to be about. Um, and I want to start off with a story. A story about myself, um, which I think that a lot of people who've grown into themselves and into a version of self-love have gone through hating themselves. You don't just wake up and you come out of the womb loving yourself, especially if you have faced trauma and adversity of any sort. You harbor a lot inside of you that you almost need to sort and sift through before you can really look yourself in the mirror. That was really what shadow work and inner child healing that episode was about is being able to make a friend out of yourself by first looking at yourself like a child and understanding why it might be so important that you pay attention to your inner child and listen to them. Once you've done that and once you have really looked inward and understand the traumas that you have gone through and how that has built you and framed you and shaped you, you can start asking yourself who am I living for? For a long time in my own life, I did things by the book. Like I did things the way that I was supposed to do them. I settled a lot in my life for things that I didn't necessarily want, but 
things that I knew would either be stepping stones to what I wanted or were necessary in some way, shape or form. For instance, I really wanted to be a writer when I was young and I sort of took the creative part out of it and settled for being a journalist. I wanted to be a political broadcast journalist and that's what I wanted to go to school for. And I started school um, studying politics, philosophy and law. And then about a few months into my major, I had realized that it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. That time period politically was very divisive. And I just decided that I didn't want to be a part of it, primarily because I was genuinely going into that field with the idea that I could change things and that I would make a big difference. And I soon became very jaded into realizing that this is a system in which I will not really be able to influence. And I didn't want to go into politics necessarily. So I kind of abandoned that. And the natural next step was, okay, well, let me think logically about my career path. Like, what do I really want? And at that point, I had already done enough school in high school. I had completed enough college classes in high school by taking AP classes and by dual enrolling in a community college when I was in high school that I was already like a sophomore entering college. And so I had a lot of credits, which I didn't know that they would transfer, but they ended up transferring. Not really important. The point of the story, I ended up transferring my major from politics, philosophy, and law, something that I was really very interested in learning to a business degree. The school that I went to had a really good business program. Never in my life did I want to do business. Never in my life did I want to be a business major. I wasn't interested in it. I ended up really selling out and studying finance, um, quantitative finance and marketing and um, getting a really good education, honestly, but it wasn't necessarily something I was interested in. And to be quite honest, I chose that not for myself. And it wasn't, I wasn't living for myself at that time period. I think I was just really trying to get in and out of school. And I look back on that and I really am glad that I did it because it paved the way for my life now, which has been the enablement of living in New York City, being able to support myself fully and independently. And I really do think if I would have stayed with politics, philosophy, and law, I ended up getting a journalism degree, I would have been fine. I would have been in a lot of debt because I would have had to go to school after school and get a master's. And given the time period of COVID and all of that, I really do think it worked out the way it did. But what that has done is made me pose the question of, okay, I've done things the way I'm supposed to do things my whole life. I've followed the rules. I followed the book. And now I'm at a point of trying to make decisions for myself. And I can't because there is no rule book to follow. And it's been really difficult to have this existential crisis of, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I am driven so wholly by purpose and by passion that I cannot settle for something that doesn't fulfill me in a, a larger way. So with all that being said, and yes, my own experiences, I don't know if you can or cannot relate. Those are my own experiences. And I think how that relates to who are you living for is it makes you ask this question. Okay. So we, in this matrix of life and this matrix of society and hierarchical things, I really feel like we are told to go to school, get a job, be fine. And that's what happens. And that's what you do. And we sell our souls to capitalism and all of these things, which agree or don't agree with the system. We are part of that system and we have to contribute to it. And, but there's also like hacks, right? Like there's ways to get out of it and there's ways to be an entrepreneur. There's ways to figure out a way to where you're not serving some other cause that you don't actually believe in. I think a lot more people are waking up to that, but to be able to have the autonomy to believe in yourself enough to say, I actually don't think I want this life. You have to know within yourself that you can have something else. And I think that's really where it all begins. So I am very grateful that I went the route that I did. That being said, I am on an endless journey and I think I will be for the rest of my life. And I think that this is a pretty blanket statement for most people um, of really finding myself and figuring out what it is I am here to do. And I think that everything really does happen 
for a reason. It happens the way that it is supposed to. With that being said, you have to find the meaning in all of those things. It It's really up to you whether or not you want to be a victim of your situation. So I talked a little bit about this in my second episode, child healing, inner child healing and shadow work and how there are certain things from childhood. There are certain things that have hurt us in our life where we keep those things stored in our bodies and we keep these energetic frequencies in our bodies and they kind of make us feel very stuck. And if you look at where you are getting upset at other people, it is a real mirror into how you feel about yourself. And you start realizing this more and more when like people start bothering you and you become a bit more self-aware in your reactions. Okay, why does that bother me is a good question to ask if you haven't already started asking that when people are upsetting you or something is upsetting you, really trying to understand where that's coming from. More often than not, you will notice that the things that you see in other people that you do not like are things that you don't like about yourself. For instance, I feel really uncomfortable when other people are on their phone in front of me um, and we're in the middle of a conversation and they are completely swept away, sidetracked by their phone or they're on apps while we're having a conversation. I don't think anyone likes that. But the reason I know that I don't like that is because I feel guilty for how much time I spend on my phone and how much time I spend on apps that when other people cannot be present enough to have a conversation with me, it makes me feel upset at myself for all the times that I am not present in my life. Like it's a, just a direct mirror and reflection. So really I'm not upset that they are distracted or they're not giving me time or attention. I'm really upset at myself for not being able to give that time and attention to my daily life and knowing what it's like to be so consumed in your device and the apps that it really just can overtake you. And so I've noticed that's something. So that's just an example. I think you also realize it's the same thing for what you like in other people. So I have always admired people who are able to really creatively express themselves. I've always felt a little jealous of them. I've always felt a little jealous of people who are actually able to turn their hobbies into jobs. And I think it's because I long for that. I yearn for that. Um, and so those people are people that I look up to. Um, there is a, a theory and it was originated by someone named Rene Girard. It's, uh, all about mimetic desire. So there's this book and it's called mimetic desire. And it's all about Rene Girard who has purported that the reason that you want the things that you do is because they have been modeled for you and all of your desires can really be pinpointed by someone in your life who modeled something for you and you learned to like those things, you learned to want those things. And this is not to say that your desires are baseless and they're just based on copying or mimicking other people. He also talks about what it's like to have thick desires and thin desires. So some things that we are naturally very good at and the gifts that we were born with, maybe you really like doing something and then you see that it can be done outside of just a hobby and then you want to do that for a job. The only reason that you think that that's possible is because it's been modeled for you. So mimetic desire is a big product of why we want the things that we do. We see other people doing things and it rings true in us it resonates with us to a certain degree and we decide to go after those things or we notice that someone kind of has it figured out and maybe your only objective is like, okay, make money. All right, well, how do I make money? Okay, maybe get a job in a market that is growing really fast, very rapidly and you find a person who has done that, you talk to them and then the more that you talk to them, the more that that is fed within you that this is a really good idea. It's modeled for you. This person's doing well. Okay, I'm going to do that. And so all around us are these models and these figures we're taking after all the time. And so I think that's a really good place to start as well. So we have the projections of what people around us are doing that we don't like and how that can be a mirror for what we don't like about ourselves. And then what people around us are doing that we do like which can also be a mirror for ourselves in asking ourselves, do we really want this genuinely or do we want this because it's been modeled for us in a way that sounds really good? You realize when that happens that you can do really well 
modeling people. You can do really well mimicking people and building your desires off of that thread of, oh, this person has this. Let me try this. Let me see if it's good. But if you don't ever really take a look inside, well, what do I actually want? And like, what are the things that really fulfill me, drive me, nourish me? You will probably build a life that is really wonderful, really great, one that you're grateful for, but always feel a little empty. And I think that that is what I have realized in my life is that I have, you know, a wonderful situation, very grateful for it. I worked very hard for it. At the same time, there is a piece of me that does not feel fulfilled. And I question why. And I know why. It is because I sold out, and I say that in quotations, I sold out for the more logical and sound direction. And I told myself that I would figure the rest out. I told myself, let me just get to New York City. Let me be able to be financially completely independent let me be able to support myself and then I'll figure it out and let me find something that I I like enough to where I can do it and it's great but like I don't know if it's going to be what I want forever and so that's what I did and I sorted my shit out I kind of went through Maslow's hierarchy at that point of just okay well I need to set my foundation and once I have my foundation then I can start self-actualizing and really thinking about what I want but of course if you are always trying to figure out where your next meal is coming from then those are more important problems than understanding what your passions and desires are and being able to nurture yourself through self-love but I also would argue that you will be able to get through those things a lot quicker, have belief in yourself to get through those things a lot quicker if you love yourself. So that is sort of the foundation and the groundwork for what I want to talk about today in terms of who are you living for. So the first thing is to really take a look at the models around you, what has been mirrored for you, what parts of those things have you taken on in your life? And then also, what do you not like about the people around you? How can that tell you more about yourself and maybe some things that you need to work on? Um, Which leads us into this whole idea of the ego. So I don't have anything in front of me, and I really should because I know that there's so much literature on this that might be really relevant and important, but I'm just going to go by brain and just talk about what I know and what I see the ego as. So what is the ego? If you don't know, the ego is the part of you that you are identified with. So that might be an odd explanation to you because a lot of people will demonize the ego and say, my ego is getting in the way. My ego is the evil part of whatever's happening. I'm projecting my ego. A lot of people will make the ego out to seem like the root of all the problems And they are not wrong because usually it is, but I would like to say that the ego is natural, normal. You are never getting rid of it. And if you are on a pursuit to get rid of your ego, you will not succeed because you can't. We are human beings. We are identified with ourselves and we are supposed to be to some extent. So what do I mean when I say that the ego is the part of you that you are identified with. So if you believe that there is a part of you that is just love and that that is your true seated core part of you, it's the loving part of you. It's the part that feels joy. It's the part that experiences life in all of its flux. It's the part of you that can look deeper inside of yourself and gain questions, gain answers, gain insights to life. If there is that part of you, that part that is all loving, beautiful, wonderful, and that part that you want to really live and model your life by, then there is also the opposite of that. There is the part of you that is jealous and angry and upset. There is the child inside of you who wants out and is knocking at the door to get justice for the pain that they went through. It is the part of you that is the dark part of you, really like the shadow part of you, but it comes out in different ways. And that's why we always hear if we call someone egoic or we call someone an egomaniac, it means that they are obsessed with themselves. They are so identified with themselves. They haven't looked inwards. They haven't looked beyond the part of them that is the physical. They haven't looked beyond the part of them that might be their bodies, which they might be super obsessed with and obsessed with 
making it their identity. It might be their jobs, which they are obsessed with making their identity. It might be who they present themselves in the world. You can tell when someone is very identified with their ego because they're half a brain when they're speaking to you. They're really concerned about themselves. They're usually people who um, can be very manipulative in order to get the things that they want, typically very reactive. And this is not a bash towards anyone because I think I used to be this way. And um, your ego is a part of you that you will never get rid of. Like your ego is you in so many ways, just like that part of you that is love, that part of you that is all loving, all wonderful, that is also you. And I think it starts with understanding that there is a polarity to everything. So just like there is the polarity to the things that bother you about other people are what you do not like in yourself. Well, okay, the things that you like in other people are things that you like in yourself or want to be able to nourish in yourself and build in yourself. So it's just the same thing. Your ego is on one side of the spectrum where it's very identified with this material physical world. And then you have the part of you that is all love and really the soul part of you that looks for nourishment in life and looks for relationships that harvest a union of wonder. Okay. So there's that end of the spectrum. And then there's the other one. And it's the same thing with love, okay? There is love on one side of the spectrum. There is fear and pain on another side of the the spectrum. And I think we try so hard to resist one or the other. I think we try so hard to make our lives just about one thing, make our lives just about love, make our lives just about finding what makes us happy, make our lives just about feeling good. And when we feel anything that's the opposite, we're like, what are you doing here? Like, go away. You're not supposed to be here. Instead of really just all encompassingly accepting those parts of ourselves because they are parts of ourselves. They are not going away. And I think the sooner that you can be really mindful of your ego, the quicker that you will also be able to accept it and not let it control you. So that's the thing here. It's not about getting rid of it. You will never get rid of it. And where I learned a lot of this was Eckhart Tolle, who he is actually in my intro. Um, he's the very first person in my intro. He is the reason for my spiritual awakening. So during COVID of 2020, um, I started doing yoga, meditating, and then I read The Power of Now. And that book is by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, he is a German philosopher studied spirituality in many different forms, had a spiritual awakening, wrote amazing books, very clear and easy to understand. He is incredible. And he talks about this thing called the pain body, which is basically how your ego is reacting to everything around you all the time. Your pain body is the part of you that is going to be nasty to other people. Your pain body is the part of you that is going to self-sabotage. Your pain body is the part of you that is looking all the time for reasons to be upset. And the sooner that you can disidentify from it, the less power it has over you. So that is the distinction to me made here. And he talks about this too. You will never get rid of your ego and your ego is not a bad thing. But what you can do is recognize where your ego is getting in the way of your life, become conscious of your ego, and then not let it control you, not react to your ego. That's really what we're trying to do here is build that mindfulness, that consciousness that we can take with us into our daily lives rather than say that that is bad and that is wrong because it's not. You're a human being and you make mistakes and you're going to be making them for your entire time as a human being. So the quicker that you can learn how to spot where those mistakes might be coming from and say, okay, well, that was my pain body. Being able to name that instead of being like, I'm such a bad fucking person and I hate myself. Very different things. And I used to act out of this pain body for really my default mode in life was defensiveness and projecting and pain. I would isolate myself from everyone and then in a state of victimhood, be upset at other people for not reaching out to me. Everything in my life was pointers and reasons for why I would always be alone and always be misunderstood. And that was my pain body. And I would also feel so bad at myself for it. Like I really would tear myself down after I 
spoke badly to another person or created drama or created this self-sabotaging line of narratives that really impacted my personal relationships. I would get in fights with people all the time and then basically manipulate the fights to make it seem like I was the victim. This is a very big Pisces thing. So if you're a Pisces, like listen, because that is our natural tendency. Um, A little note on astrology here, Pisces really deeply understand emotion because we are so multidimensional and we are so immersed in our emotions. We feel through this world so much that we understand how to manipulate emotions. Like we understand how to manipulate other people's emotions. So I'm calling you out right now. If you're a Pisces and you are in tendency to do this, that's what I used to do. Like fully admittedly, honestly, I used to be upset about something, make someone feel very guilty about it, not understand where they were coming from, like avidly not understand where they were coming from and make them feel really awful and terrible and then make myself the victim. Like I would start problems and then make myself the victim so that I didn't have to take responsibility for them. And I knew what I was doing. Like I wasn't extremely conscious of it to the fact where I was like, I'm going to manipulate this person. But at the same time, like I had an awareness that I was the problem. I just didn't know how I didn't know how to start um, not doing that. I didn't know how to stop doing that. So when I woke up to, okay, well, this is just a part of me that is really not healed. It took a long time before I could forgive myself when I would act out of that way. But the more and more that I've been able to just become completely mindful really over my thoughts, emotions, feelings, the less that those things control me and really have disappeared. Like the urge to do that is not within me anymore. And also certain people will bring that out of you. So a toxic relationship will bring out the worst parts of you and will bring out the worst parts of that person. And I also think that's why you cannot really hold any grudges towards other people. I mean, if people deeply, deeply hurt you, it is your prerogative and how you choose to process and deal with that. But at the same time, I think other people are supposed to show us our egos. Other people are supposed to dig the shit out of us and have it all be brought to the surface so that we can deal with it. And sometimes we choose not to deal with it. Sometimes we choose to just swallow it down and let it sit farther beneath the surface until the next person comes along and we realize that's also a toxic situation. And then we continue doing the same things, reliving the same patterns, reliving the same narratives. But you don't want to do that, right? Because that's why you're here. That's why you're listening to this. And I know that a lot of this sounds like groundwork because you're like, well, how, when am I going to learn to love myself? Like when does the confidence come in? When do I learn who I'm living for and how do I live for myself? I think that this is all the background knowledge to kind of build up to that point of like, I could sit here and give you advice on how to look in the mirror and be a bad bitch and like really feel like you are a bad bitch. But I really think at the end of the day, it's all our inner work. It's all our inner worlds and our inner selves. And the more that we figure that shit out, the more that we feel like we have less to figure out in the world um, or the more that our happiness is not conditioned by what is going on in the world or what is going on in our outer world, the more that we have the autonomy in our inner world. And that really allows you to build confidence. So I'm going to read this directly from what Eckhart has said about the pain body and the ego. So the pain body is a part of your ego. It is the part of your ego that wants to feel pain. And it is an accumulation of old emotional pain that almost all people carry in their energy field. And I'm interjecting my own opinion into this. You can feel when someone has a really strong pain body. So your pain body is the, all of the negative parts of you. So, you know, when you walk into a room and you can tell from a mile away who is having a bad day, like it's so obvious, literally it is emanating from them. That negative energy, that bad day is emanating out of them or they're in a bad mood or maybe they're in a perpetual bad mood. Those people have very active and strong pain bodies that are then controlling them. So it is a semi-autonomous psychic entity, basically. Um, It consists of negative emotions that were not faced, were not accepted, and then let go in the moment that they arose, they weren't let go of. So they have been stuck inside of your body. And in The Untethered Soul, which is another book, um, highly recommend it, he talks about Samskiras, which is, I believe 
part of Indian philosophy, which are mental impressions, recollections, or psychological imprints. So in Hindu, samskaras are a basis for the development of karmic theory. And samskaras is where all of that pain is stored. It's all of the negative energy, the habits that are unhealed within you that then be projected outwards. I gave this example in the last episode where if you dated someone with a particular car and they broke your heart and then you go and you see that car after they broke your heart when you see that car you're going to feel pain and it has if you've been wanting to learn a new language because you want to pick up a new skill or hobby then rosetta stone is for you rosetta stone is the most trusted language learning app available on desktop and also can be used as an app on your phone rosetta stone teaches through immersion instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words into your head you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals reading stories and participating in dialogues there are no english translations in the product so you're getting trained to listen speak read write and think in your new language rosetta stone offers 25 languages from Spanish, French, Italian, German, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, and even Dutch, and offers a lifetime membership. So you can buy the program now and get forever access to all the lessons for the languages and literally never pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Figuring Shit Out listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Nothing to do with the car. It has to do with that energetic storage inside of your body associated with that memory of the person. Very simple to understand, right? Like, super basic stuff. These are just terms and language that we use to define all of these things. So these negative emotions leave this residue of emotional pain, which is stored in your body, whether it's in the cells of your body or in your emotional energetic body, there is also a collective human pain body containing the pain that was suffered by generations. So this has to do with generational trauma as well. Whatever your parents went through, whatever your mom, grandma went through, that pain is then passed down. And I'm going to recommend another book here. It's called It Didn't Start With You. And it's all about generational trauma and how it really starts in the womb because the things that your mother experienced when she was pregnant with you, the emotional damage that might have ensued, the things that were going on, all of that has to be genetically kind of transferred to where you were growing as a tiny little baby inside of your mom's body. And there is a genetic predisposition for certain things based on how your mother dealt with her pregnancy, based on what was going on, simply because of the chemicals that were going on in her brain and how her body was reacting to what was going on around her while you were inside of her. Not to mention that your mother and all women are born with the amount of eggs that they will have in their lifetime. So your mother was literally born and grew up with the egg that you ended up being. And so there is an argument to be made that every experience that she went through is slightly infused into you and that's the collective pain body and then on top of that if you're a minority if you're a woman if you are someone in a class of people who has been marginalized for decades years hundreds of them you also have this pain body associated with that pain and that trauma because it's ancestral. And so this is a much larger thing than just what did you go through as a child? There's actually a much larger pain body that might be influencing you in ways that you're not aware of just because you're not aware of what it is. So the pain body has a dormant stage and an active stage and periodically it becomes activated. And when it does, it seeks more suffering to do so. So if you are not always present, if you're not always mindful of your reactions, it takes you over. And if you've ever reacted towards someone, if you ever yelled at someone, if you have ever gotten into a fight with someone and like blacked out or been like, I don't even know why I said that. I don't know what came over me. I don't know why I acted like that. That is your pain body. And it also feeds into 
your negative thinking, your negative experiences, the drama that you kind of love a little bit. And let's be real with this. Like we hate it, but then why do we perpetuate it? Like, why do we choose to complain? Why do we choose to feel angry about something when we could just say, this is out of my control. I'm stepping away. I'm choosing my peace. It's because of that part of you that needs to be right. It's that part of you that needs to feel like you're justified in the negative emotions that you're having. And that at the end of the day is the ego. Like that is very much part of the ego. It is so identified with being right. It is so identified with an ideology, an idea, a state of being that you are holding so strongly onto that as your identity that you forget and lose sight of everything else. You forget and lose sight that really at the end of the day, you are an all loving and eternal being and that you have so much power within you and that you can really choose to start taking actions and steps towards loving yourself by identifying these things and learning how to step away from them. But instead, you know, we've been conditioned this way. This is not necessarily your fault. It really isn't. After a certain point in life, you realize that some people will never wake up and some people will carry this pain body with them forever and ever. They will perpetuate their own pain forever and ever. They will live in that victim mentality forever and ever and ask, why is my life this way? Why am I here? What is the point? Why did I have to go through this? But at a certain point, You are grown and old enough to have to say, I'm taking responsibility for my own life and my own happiness, and I'm not going to let this shit bother me anymore. And you are really the only one who can say that. And that's where the self-love starts. That is where the confidence starts. That is where learning to trust yourself starts. And that is where you start realizing who you are living your life for and why you're living your life that way. And why you're trapped in this imprisonment of a system, which you feel like you can't get out of, but I'm here to tell you that you can. And it really starts with identifying these things and taking a look in your inner world and doing some meditating on why you are the way you are, why you want the things you want, why has some of the pain in your life felt like it's never ending and endless and that you just can't fucking get away from it. Here are some of the answers. So directly from Mr. Eckhart Tolle, once the pain body has taken you over, you want more pain. You become a victim or a perpetrator. You want to inflict pain and you want to suffer pain or both. There isn't really much difference between the two. You are not conscious of this, of course, and will vehemently claim that you do not want pain. But look closely and you will find that your thinking and behavior are designed to keep the pain going for yourself and for others. If you were truly conscious of it, the pattern would dissolve. For to want more pain is insanity and nobody is consciously insane. Also from Mr. Eckhart Tolle, the ego isn't wrong. It's just unconscious. When you observe the ego in yourself, you are beginning to go beyond it. Don't take the ego too seriously. When you detect egoic behavior in yourself, smile. At times, you may even laugh. How could humanity have been taken in by this for so long? Above all, know that the ego isn't personal. It isn't who you are. If you consider the ego to be your personal problem, then that's just more ego. Every ego wants to be special. If it can't be special by being superior to others, it's also quite happy with being especially miserable. And this is where that whole victim mentality, that victim mindset comes from that is keeping you from loving yourself, from being confident, from being happy. You want to be trapped in this pain. You kind of get a kick out of it. You kind of like it, right? And don't lie to me and say that you don't because I remember being in this pain and I remember perpetuating it and I almost needed it. Like I I needed it to survive. And if you grew up in a household or in an environment where you were in survival mode for a lot of that, and you have been surrounded by a lot of chaos, a lot of disruption, a lot of dysfunction in your adulthood. And as you age, you're going to look for that. And you're going to look for ways to replicate that unconsciously because it's familiar to you. It might not be comfortable and it might not be something that you really want because no one wants that you'd be crazy if you actually wanted that, but it's something that you can't escape from and something that you've learned that you can't live without. And I'm here to tell you that you can live without it and there are ways to go beyond it. One of those ways is to really, this is so simple, stop complaining and listen to yourself when you start complaining. Just turn on a signal in your brain that goes off when you start being upset about something, complaining about something, perpetuating a narrative in your mind about how someone did you so wrong and how you didn't deserve that and how everything is falling apart and just listen to it. 
Okay. You don't have to even do anything. It's going to be a hard pattern to stop doing if you've lived your life in that mode, but just listen to it and realize that you're not that voice that you actually don't want those thoughts. You don't want to be filled with them. And the more that you're able to take a step away from them and say, okay, I can hear you, I can see you, but I don't have to believe you, the more autonomy and power that you really, really have. That and gossiping, like talking about other people, um, being identified with mental positions, needing to be right, okay? Do you know how many arguments could stop with, you know what, you're right, I see your point. Let's just not talk about this anymore. But instead, we fight with people because of this need to be right and to be justified in our own opinions. We need to have enemies. We need to apply negative mental labels to people to feel superior. I used to argue with people a lot and I used to get defensive disagreements and perpetuate them. I don't argue with people anymore. I don't let it consume me. If I'm upset about something, I really do take the space and time to figure out why I'm upset about what I'm upset about. And if I need to communicate, I will in a way that is non-accusatory or non-attacking of the other person, because you also start to realize that people don't respond to that. Everyone's ego is going to be activated when they feel like they are in defense of something. And so to effectively communicate with people, you need to be able to understand okay, where is this person coming from? Who are they? How might they react to what I'm saying? How can I effectively communicate to the point where they are going to be open to listening to me? And some people will never be open to listening to you. Some people will always just want to be right, will always have something to say, will always have a point to be made. And those people are ran by their ego. And if you know that and you are not identified with your own ego, then you're able to kind of make peace with that and realize Those people aren't even happy anyways. Those people don't love themselves anyways. And it is a sad, sad thing. And you wish for them to be well. You wish for them to learn. But at the end of the day, the more that you interact with those types of people, the more that you are triggered, the more that your pain body is activated. So some other examples are demanding recognition for something you did and getting angry or upset if you don't get that recognition, um, trying to get attention by talking about your problems, the story of who you are and uh, why your life is so awful, giving your opinion when nobody asked for it and it makes no difference in the situation, um, trying to make an impression on others through possessions, knowledge, good looks, status, physical strength, and so on. I really want to clarify again, again, none of these are wrong. Like none of these are terrible things. They are part of us and we're all guilty of them. And we all will be guilty of them because our ego is a big part of our lives, but it's also a big part of our lives that keeps us in the dark from loving ourselves. And the ego is the part of you that you think if you strengthen enough and enough, and if you are right a million times and you garner all of this beauty, this physical beauty, this success, this material wealth in the world, that you will love yourself. And it's because of all that you have to show. And that's the egoic way of loving yourself. And it's really not stemmed out of loving. It's stemmed out of hate because it is stemmed out of wanting to be different, wanting to be unique or set apart from the collective of people to where you need to feel superior in order to feel good about yourself. And so you are thereby just separating yourself from other people. But if we go back to what I said at the very beginning of this, if everything that you see in others that you do not like about yourself is what you don't like about them. And if everything that you like in other people is what you wish to cultivate in yourself or what you like about yourself, then everyone is a mirror to you. And you will not be able to cultivate love or confidence in yourself if you are constantly looking for reasons that you are above other people because you're not and you never will be because everyone is a mirror. And so what you realize then is that the more that you start to love yourself The more that you love other people and the more confidence that you gain in yourself, the easier it is to be happy for other people. And I used to be someone who I wanted to feel happy for my friends when they had successes. And I did. Part of me did. But a lot of me just felt bad about myself when other people would have successes. And now I'm at a place in my life where I am 
ethereally happy when one of my friends gets a job or when an opportunity presents itself to someone else. Like I genuinely feel the most beautiful happiness for the other people in my life. And it's because I know that that does not take away from me. And I know that watching other people do well is if you can almost emulate that energy and say, that's so amazing. Like I'm so happy for my friend. She got a promotion. Like that is so incredible. Like I could do that too. Like it almost motivates you because you feel like you are that person in a lot of ways and that you see their success, thereby you see your own success. And so life in so many ways is really, really a mirror. And so that's where that self-love started. And if you tune into your emotions, to your feelings, and you realize that we live in this feeling world, there's constant energetic vibrations and frequencies that are constantly coming in and being projected outwards. You learn how to be present enough to tune into that. You tune into when you're feeling good and you tune into when you're not feeling good and you don't look at one thing or the other thing as better or worse. Like you're not attached to, I need to feel good all the time. I need to feel confident all the time. When you have a confidence in yourself, you know that part of life is pain. You know, that part of life is going to be shitty. There is a contrast, a polarity to everything that makes it so integrally important in understanding that so that you can be more accepting. And then you can be more accepting of yourself. You can learn how to love yourself. You can learn what feels good, what doesn't, who you are living your life for and how you can start living your life more for yourself when you tune in and like tap in and start to just be more conscious and be more aware. So really to sum it all up, you learn to love by loving. You learn to have good friends in your life by being a good friend to other people. You learn by doing consciously in a way that says, I am going to transcend the egoic part of myself that I know is there in the name of something bigger than me. And everything that you put out into this grand universe will come back tenfold to you because the way that you attract in this life and the way that you garner confidence in yourself is by claiming that you are that love. You have that love inside of you. All you need to do is figure out how to give it and why it might be so hard sometimes to give that love away. And if we think about an unconditional type of love, what is that, right? How do we cultivate an unconditional type of love for ourselves? Think about the love that you have for a pet you know, maybe they pee on your carpet and you're pissed at them for five seconds, but you get over that because you know that they're just a pet and they don't know any better and that they're just this pocket full of love and sunshine. Treat yourself that way. You know, you fuck up. Okay. You fucked up. Acknowledge that you fucked up, sit in your little pity party for no more than five minutes and then move on and decide that that does not equate to your value. That is not who you are, that you are more. And that at the end of it all, you are love. And you learn to love by loving, by radically accepting the fact that the ego is part of your life, whether you are happy about it or you aren't, and it's going to rear its head every now and then, and you are going to learn how to consciously overcome it to where it does not control you. And when it doesn't control you, I think that's really where the belief in yourself starts when you can really see an impulse to react in a negative way and not take that impulse because you know that love is a better choice, you start making that choice in ways that will complement yourself. And you also start realizing where you're hurting yourself when you're living your life for other people and how much you are martyring yourself for in the name of love. So that is really why this episode, while yes, it is about the journey to self-love, it's going to start with the polarity. It's going to start with the opposite of that. It's going to start with the acknowledgement of the ego and what may be perceived as darkness because at the other end of that spectrum is love and we have to move from those lower vibrations into a higher one. And it's not a simple transcendence. It's not going to happen overnight or in a day, but you learn to love yourself and you learn to garner confidence and believe in yourself by seeing the parts of yourself that you're trying to hide from and making the conscious decision 
to radically accept those parts of you as parts of you and not try to run from them or hide from them or reject them, but to lovingly say, I am aware of you, but you don't have to have control of me and I'm going to consciously choose love. And this is sometimes a decision that you have to make day after day after day. And it doesn't come naturally at first, but after a while of making that choice, it does become second nature. You learn to love by loving. It starts inwards and projects outwards and then it comes right back to you and suddenly you criticize yourself a whole lot less and suddenly you don't feel the need to self-deprecate the way that you used to and suddenly you're able to receive love in ways that you never even imagined possible and you're able to give it freely, unconditionally without expecting anything in return because you know that love is around you all the time and you don't need to look in to another person to find it. You don't need to look into the world for material success to find it. You don't need to create all of these building blocks of physical things to find this love. It is right inside of you all the time. It is all around you all the time. Go outside and sit at a park and watch as mothers walk their sons and their sons trip because they're three years old and watch their mothers laugh and watch children play and watch dogs run free and bark and birds sing and you'll realize that the more that you look for love the more that you find that it is actually all around you all the time and if it can be found all around you all the time then couldn't you cultivate that for yourself couldn't you give yourself a loving loving action and then you learn When you really love people in an unconditional way that you can give that to yourself and you'll start to notice other people will start loving you back the same way. And what you would do for a friend when they were having a bad day, you'd sit them down in a chair and maybe make them a cup of tea and just be an ear to listen, an ear for them to lean on and you would expect nothing in return, right? You would just be there because that's what friends do. And then you just flip it around and you do that to yourself You're having a bad day. What makes you feel good? How can you self-soothe? What are you doing that might be contributing to it? Let's just take a nice soft look at that and not hate ourselves for it, but realize that at any moment we can act out of love just like we can act out of the ego and act out of hate. But to be able to make that conscious choice, you have to have the understanding of this polarity that is ever-present and exists all the time, that every move we make is a choice, that unravels another set of choices and it's all perpetual and it's all unfolding all at once and we are basically living in a chain reaction that we continue to perpetuate and we can decide to change course at any moment so this is your sign to change course if you are feeling like you are stuck in a place of egoic self-hatred and needing to be better needing to be right feeling like there is a lack of love in your life because the love that you give is conditional and the love that you show yourself is conditional and you feel like you need to work hard for love you don't so you know you break out of the conditioning you break out of the victimhood you stop complaining you stop gossiping you make conscious decisions every single day to stop yourself in the pursuit of the egoic desire for success which is to be superior than other people and to feel special which will never be satisfying because everyone at their core is the same we are all from the same source made up of the same shit whether you believe in the spiritual stuff or you don't we are all human beings and sometimes it's a really precious thing that we're all just trying to survive sometimes so you have that compassion for the human experience and knowing that it is filled with pain and you choose to say i am going to live my life in a way that focuses on love and be the force of love that is all around me all the time i'm going to embody that and you embody that in yourself you start with these conscious choices to not perpetuate the negativity and to not get caught up in the melodrama of your life You don't need to. It's not necessary. You think you need it, but you don't. And so you want to walk out of your house and feel powerful and feel good and feel like you're on top of the world. You do that not by being superior to others or feeling like you have something that they don't. You do that by coming back to your eternal source, which is the love that exists within us all. And then making the conscious choice to decide to give it freely, deciding to be happy, deciding to live in a higher vibration, 
And then every action you make is out of a place of love. And it's not that simple, okay? I'm I'm really dumbing it down here, but of course it's not step one, step two, step three. It's never that easy. But it starts always, it starts with that conscious awareness. And I'm going to be making episodes that have to do with really being able to feel good about yourself physically and how to harness that power and realize that you are a powerful being capable of creating anything that you want But it does start with the limiting beliefs inside of you and whatever may be holding you back that you don't even realize is holding you back, how you might be living your life for other people in ways that you don't even realize. That's really where it starts. You are a powerful creator. You choose every day how you go into this world and what is in your vortex of reality, whether you think that you do or you don't, and you want to sit in a place of, no, this is my experience, this is my condition, I can't because, I can't because, I can't because, those are all limiting beliefs. You can. And even if you physically can't, mentally, you can find a way around these things. You have the power, you have the autonomy to overcome the ego and to forgive yourself, to forgive others. It does not feel good to feel resentment or anger towards other people. It does not feel good to feel jealousy towards other people. It does not feel good to constantly feel like you're in a rat race of needing to be better and needing to be superior and constantly trying to build up your internal repertoire of need, need, need. That is all from a place of lack. You don't love other people for them. You don't love them to make them happy. You love them because it feels good for you to love them. Doesn't it feel good when you just have such a great friendship or you have a great relationship with another person? Doesn't that feel good? Isn't that illuminating? Isn't that wonderful? Why would you choose to feel anything else? And you can say, oh, this person did this to me. This person did that to me. But At the end of the day, what are you holding on so tightly to that pain for? What are you holding on so tightly to the need to be right and to be superior for? Why? What is the point? If everything at the end of the day boils down to love, if you're going to die tomorrow, if your friend is going to die tomorrow, if your parents are going to die tomorrow, would you have wanted to hold on to the resentment about the stupid shit that is fueling your ego? Or would you have rather laid down your armor and said, you know what? Fuck it. Who cares? This is what really matters. It's about living your life in a way that says this is what really matters. We are not here for that long. Do you want to spend your life hating yourself? Or would you rather choose to actively decide that that is not what you want to do and pick up the phone and listen? Listen deeply to the people around you. Listen deeply to yourself when you criticize yourself and say, I don't need to believe this narrative. This is a conditioned behavior that I know I can get out of just by letting it pass and by choosing to replace it with the opposite. And for every act of hate that I unconsciously enact, I will consciously choose love on the other end of it. There are ways, there are tricks, there are hacks, there are ways to do this. We will talk about confidence in a larger way and how to really harness that and how to use it to get the things that you want. But it it really does start here in realizing how it is holding you back to live your life by this desire within you for something of drama that is not productive. And so I hope that this was helpful and I hope that you learned a few things. Um, I remember when I was going through my spiritual awakening, the pain body and the ego was one of the first things that I really learned about, which really just instantly made me conscious of it. And just because you're conscious of it doesn't mean that it dissipates, but it does mean that it has less control over you. And the less that you act out of it, the more that it actually does dissipate. And it's something that you can never get rid of, but you can definitely grow from. And it can just be a background monologue that comes and goes at times, but it doesn't bother you the way that it used to. And Um, fortunately, happily, that's where I've come after being in a place of pain for so long. And after being in a place of perpetuated pain that I perpetuated by myself. So at the end of it all, know that you are love and know that that's where you came from and know that if you look for it, you're going to find it. 
you really will. The signs are all there. They're all around you. Just like if you look for the ego coming out, you're going to find it. Name it the pain body. Give it an identity separate from yourself to know that it is not you because it is not you. And forgive yourself because it is okay. We are all human. We are all trying to survive. We are all struggling sometimes. To be happy is a challenge. You find any genuinely happy person know that they've been through the darkest parts of the opposite of that, that they have come from it, that they have worked from it, and how beautiful it is to know that that could be you too. It all starts with that choice. You're going to be okay. You are going to be just fine. And you're going to learn how to love yourself. And even if you're embarking on that journey, that is more than enough. So congratulate yourself for it. You don't need to figure everything out all at once. You just got to take the steps. Because remember, if you spend your whole life trying to get your act together, then what do you have? You have an act, not a life. So live your fucking life. You got to look for the redeeming feature. You got to look for things to appreciate. You got to find a reason to make it okay where you are. No, I've got to strive and struggle and try. That's what I've been taught. Growth and expansion is my quest. No, that's inevitable. Whether it comes easy or hard is the question. The horrible truth is that it's an inside job. That if you're going to get that love and that respect that you've just so lost, that connect, that union starts inside. To every experience of growth, there is an equal and an opposite. And that equal and an opposite is what drives you to that light. So you have to start inwards. You have to start first within yourself. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.